So I'll do a quick introduction first, if uh, for those of you who don't know me. I'm Vidisha. I uh, lead the research and strategy team at Streetbees. Uh, more recently, I've been working on leading um, our human impact tracker. So I've been involved since the start in the design of it and sort of now uh, looking at you know, delivering it and also focusing on the output side and, and how we can best engage our clients with it. And I'd also like to introduce Kamal, who's presenting with me today. Hi, everyone. Kamal is the Global Strategy Director um, here at Street Bees as well. She's, uh, again, been sort of instrumental in getting uh, COVID, the um, COVID-19 human impact tracker up and running. Uh, and she also has a lot of experience, uh, interest and passion for the healthcare sector. Um, so she actually been involved a lot in, in the reports we're writing as well. So um, that's why I wanted, you know, Kamal's going to be uh, taking you through the dashboard and the findings with me. So I will get started now. Um, so I'll sort of start, if you can see my screen, it's on the world map. Um, it's showing actually the um, top moods. Um, so we're asking people how it is, you know, COVID-19 impacting, affecting how they feel, their mood. Um, and you can see that this is the global breakdown of moods. Um, so you can see there's a lot of anxiety, but actually in certain markets there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel and the people are feeling a bit more positive. Um, what the actual colours on each country are showing is the dominant mood in that market. So we see markets like US um, where we see high levels of anxiety as well as sort of UK and other parts of Europe. Well, you look at sort of China, um, you know, this is China's on the other side almost. It's sort of coming out of of the uh, difficult, more difficult situation, uh, and this, and the sort of the, it's more stabilised now. So we can see the positivity returning there, um, and that's quite interesting. You know, some of the markets like South Korea and Japan aren't there yet, but we're seeing indications that soon their mood should also start turning, let's say, green, <laughs> and less more so from anxious. Um, the before I sort of do we go into the rest of the findings, it's important to know that the 10 markets we covered um, for those of you who didn't attend our previous session are sort of US, UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, um, India, uh, China, South Korea and Japan. So those are our core markets that you're seeing here. The study is um, nationally representative in these markets. So we are um, sort of reflecting the population in terms of age and gender. So one thing that, you know, we get asked is, you know, are the, the sort of do emotions and fear levels really impact sort of people's behavior when it comes uh, to healthcare? I'm going to pass to Kamal now um, and she's going to take us through some of that. Thank you, Vidisha. So uh, let's start by looking at the fear index and how it's been uh, moving across the markets and how kind of it's changing as time is progressing. So uh, uh, 
if I explain what fear index is, basically we calculate it uh, by kind of looking at percentage of people who are afraid of the current situation minus percentage of people who say they aren't afraid. Now, if you look at this fear index across the markets, we, we can clearly see that fear index, uh, you know, uh, over time is, is going up. And especially if you look at the European markets and the US markets, where it has, uh, you know, more recently, there have been many more cases being registered, there have been unfortunate deaths, we see that the fear index has exceptionally risen in, in these European and the, and the American markets. While markets where you know, the number of incremental cases have stabilized, such as China, we see that fear index uh, is, is on its way down. Let's now look at how this fear index is really impacting consumers' purchase behavior when it comes to, you know, different categories. So again, similar to how we calculate fear index, we also have a purchase index. And what we, what we really take here is that how much of uh, consumption has really increased. So we are not capturing volume per se here, but what we are showing you is how consumer demand has changed uh, across the different categories. So on this chart in front of you, you can look at category purchase index, which again is percentage of people who claim that they are purchasing certain categories more minus percentage of people who say that they are uh, per, you know, purchasing certain categories less. Now here, of course, the essential items such as personal hygiene, cleaning, long-lasting groceries, fresh groceries have gone up. People have been panic buying because they are worried that they may not be able to get these essential items in the lockdown situation. And just next to that are the OTC categories. So we see purchase of vitamins and supplements, medical supplies and medicines or natural remedies has also been increasing and um, medical supplies yes we see that it's kind of more constant uh, in the last week but over the last over the, the previous weeks showed that there was an increase in medical supplies as well now uh, we won't go into it go deep into it but I can certainly tell you from all the analysis uh, that we have done that vitamins and supplements as well as the medicine increase is being driven mostly by UK and US where we saw the biggest jump in fear indexes so certainly there is some impact that fear index has on consumers purchase behavior so uh, let's let's now deep dive into the specific OTC items. So what exactly, which medicines is it that people are really buying more of? And here again, you can see that uh, cold and flu medication, painkillers are uh, sort of on an on a rise. People are now buying it more because they're worried in case they catch the infection. They need to have these medicines in their first aid box to be able to take them. We've also seen in a lot of uh, open text data that people are talking about shortage of paracetamol. So we know that a lot of governments and WHO and as well as social media has been talking about uh, negative effects of ibuprofen, which is kind of making people turn to paracetamol. And this is also creating more anxiety because uh, because people are not able to find sufficient uh, sufficient medicines in the dispensaries. 
the other interesting thing to be talked about on this chart is really around the masks. So uh, the last few weeks that we've been tracking, uh, uh, you know, uh, OTC categories, we saw that masks were growing, largely driven by Asian markets. So we know that a lot of cultural, historical reasons sort of, uh, you know, uh, have uh, have made the Chinese, the South Korean, the Japanese consumers more comfortable in using masks. And we were seeing the increase when the fear index in China was up. But now with fear index coming down, we see that this usage is also on its down. This could also be uh, you know, because of the fact that a lot of governments in Europe have requested consumers not to stockpile face masks, given the, the shortage of these masks to medical staff. In UK, for example, we, we can now see that an NHS is facing a shortage of masks and equipment. So this could also be a reason why people are now become, becoming slightly more conscious and the masks usage is going down. So that's on the purchase index uh, and, and purchase behavior within the OTC category. Uh, Vidisha, we saw that natural, we can see here that natural health remedies are also on a rise as well as the vitamins and supplements in the previous chart. Do we have any more detail on this? Yeah, we do actually. So we, when we, um, we, we do dive into the different types of uh, vitamins um, and supplements people are buying as well as natural health remedies. So this first chart we're looking at is actually the natural health remedies that people are sort of saying they're buying more of. Um, here they're sort of looking at natural vitamins and supplements, but interestingly, over time, we're also seeing sort of the fruit and herbal teas and actually a quite a large increase in herbs and spices as well. So we, you know, people are sort of going to what they have at home um, as well as um, buying more natural uh, herbal and Ayurvedic remedies over the counter too. If we take a deeper look at vitamins and supplements, which is this chart over here, you know, there's been a huge spike in vitamin C um, uh, and that's obviously um, related to the um, recent, again, uh, the media coverage uh, around vitamin C. Vit uh, multivitamins have also seen a huge increase. Interestingly, like, um, you know, there are tests being run to see if vitamin C is uh, actually effective in building immunity against COVID-19 or not. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean that people are going to wait. They're already jumping on the bandwagon uh, and sort of increasing volumes. Um, actually, I'm going to show you some consumer quotes around this. It's not, you know, it's not just vitamin C, but, you know, vitamin D too. I'm, I'm going to direct you to this co uh, consumer quote here, where they're saying they're taking uh, 5,000 units of vitamin D3 each day. Uh, as well as trying to eat, eat as healthily as possible. Now, this person does already suffer from a low immune system, but I, I would have thought 5,000 units a day is probably a bit above the recommended dosage. Um, so I don't think people are sort of paying attention um, attention to that very much. Um, they're sort of just sort of increasing their volume and taking any kind of precautionary measures um, to sort of against the virus. So there is a huge opportunity here for um, sort of healthcare brands to better educate people on the correct dosage and warn off the um, effects if they're not used correctly. Because as we see, when anxiety and fear rises, people sort of start to take matters into their own hands. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And perhaps there's also more opportunity to clarify side effects of the different home remedies that people are taking beyond mm. these vitamins and supplements. So uh, as, as this fear of coronavirus continues to escalate, we see many traditional cures and herbal remedies are also floating on the internet and in the health stores. People are putting their faith in different remedies, you know, remedy ideas ranging from herbs, spices, flavored teas to even animal waste in an effort to boost their immunity against coronavirus infection. I, I saw this quote and, and you know, it, it, it really stuck to me that what all can we do, uh, you know, what all things people get ready to consume just in order to save themselves. And uh, so here you can see, the, you know, this, this gentleman, 27 year old millennial is talking about boil one liter of water, add one spoon of turmeric, 25 grams of ginger, blah, 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 blah. And, and he's also drinking 20 milliliter distillated cow urine as it's considered to be a super immunity booster. So, so people are kind of doing everything possible, trying to boost their immune system and consuming things for which there's no evidence that they will be more effective. Rather, I would say that they're not kind of ignoring the detrimental effects also of, of these things, which is which, as you said, Vidisha, is clearly an opportunity for healthcare brands to clarify these age-old beliefs and, and educate people on, you know, which sort of, I mean, even if they have to take sort of herbal home remedies, what sort of remedies they should really be considering or not considering at all. Absolutely. So uh, that's kind of a lot on what people are consuming for uh, for natural immunity boosting. We, we spoke about vitamins, we spoke about supplements, we spoke about home remedies. And what we see is that, you know, uh, the, the the upward trajectory of this global pandemic is is not really only affecting how people people's consumption habits have changed and how people are physically feeling about themselves but also their mental health and well-being so we see that there is overall anxiety and stress levels which are elevated across countries and and now with people being locked down and fear mongering on, on the media and social media, as well as new cases of deaths coming across the world, people are getting more anxious and stressed and depressed. So you can see on this on this chart here, which Vidisha is uh, sharing on her screen, that across a number of uh, you know not so positive emotions, we have seen jump uh, week, weeks on weeks. So we are seeing that people are more anxious. They are more bored, they are more depressed, they are frustrated with the lockdown and with the prevailing situations. Uh, there were also quotes where many consumers said that reading, listening and watching news about the situation and vulnerable people makes them feel worse about the situation. And and to overcome all of this, you know, they, they do need support. We see consumers are kind of using health supplements to boost their immunity or fight infection, but they are not really looking at actively at supplements to help them manage this stress, manage all of this anxiety, manage their mental health and well-being. And we believe this could again be a big opportunity for brands in healthcare space, how we can improve or you know, increase the messagings around the products and maybe promote uh, supplements which can actually help consumers come up, uh, come over 
you know, these sort of emotions or how leading OTC brands and medical associations can come up with ideas or campaigns to support mental health and well-being during these difficult times. Yeah, it's really, um, really quite um, sort of interesting to see that some of the negative, you know, uh, you know, we'd expect anxiety to increase, but sort of around the depression, obviously boredom sets in, uh, people feeling apprehensive and uneasy. Um, as that sort of increases, and obviously, you know, some of these people are obviously uh, under lockdown alone as well. Um, and I think a lot of people right now are focusing uh, more so on building immunity, sort of the physical side of it. So how do we, we fight the virus? How does our body fight the virus? Um, but they're not really thinking about um you know how they how they you know also need to care for their sort of mental health and how they need to think about what supplements or what activities uh, what information do I need to ensure that uh, my my mental health is addressed during this time as well and I think that's a really important area that sometimes uh, is just you know does get lost uh, with, especially with consumers at this time. Should we take a, a couple of questions now? Um, uh, and it might be a good time. So one of the questions we had is, uh, what are the main sources consumers are using to currently to get more information on the outbreak? So I'm just going to uh, load that chart up. Just a moment. OK, so looking at this sort of picture more globally, um, what we're seeing is the yellow is the usage and the red is the trust. Um, so people are sort of mostly look, going to sort of social media, global news sites, um, local news sites, and also sort of government sites more often. But actually social media and news sites are actually not sources they trust as much. So this is coming back to your point, Kamal, that you know, people are going, you know, can't help themselves from going to the media, to going to their social media as well as news sites. But then they're sort of getting scared, they're getting anxious, and they're not even sure whether they can fully trust this information. Whereas when it comes to sort of the World Health Organization, when it comes to sort of their national healthcare sites, the usage is lower, but relatively trust here, for example, is higher. So it's interesting that people are going to such wide sources without without really fully putting their trust in them. But, you know, there are there is a role that, you know, health um, organizations and, and healthcare providers can play because they are actually more trusted. Um, people are just not engaging with them as much. Absolutely. And this is this basically shows how important information is to consumers. This is once in a century kind of an event and everybody is looking for information. People want their want brands to talk about how can they prevent this infection? What is causing this infection? You know, what sort of uh, measures they can take to build an immunity? But it's it's just about they don't really know what is the right source where they can find the credible information. And that's where a lot of healthcare brands can really play a vital role. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and actually, there's another question that sort of connects quite nicely, which is, you know, what what should we as sort of healthcare uh, providers and healthcare brands be communicating at this time? I think we sort of went into this in, in detail already, but um, I do actually have a chart here on that too. 
um, which is sort of looking at, you know, what what do people want to hear? We even asked, you know, what do people want to hear from a healthcare brand about coronavirus? And yes, you sort of have, you know, the effectiveness of it, how, you know, what effectiveness of their products in terms of fighting the virus, bacteria, germs, sort of how to prevent the infection. But people also want to know how to boost their immune system. You know, we see that people are taking their, you know, matters into their own hands, sort of using, um, you know, coming across vitamins and supplements they believe to be boosting their immune system, but not actually taking the products correctly. Um, and, you know, also when it comes to natural remedy, like, you know, they want to know, know about sort of foods that naturally contain these ingredients too, as well as the other practices they can um, they can be taking to prevent, the other practices they can sort of start doing to prevent that in infection too. So I think there's a lot beyond sort of efficacy um, that healthcare brands can be communicating. Um, and I think, you know, like even sort of the general healthcare tips and advice, like, you know, small sort of tips, tricks, um, ways to sort of boost your health, keep your family safe, you know, are, are things people are looking for. And, and that would help them engage with healthcare brands as well uh, and healthcare um, uh, communications more because, you know, we, we saw that these are the they're actually going to be trusting them more as well. So that's something to watch out for. Amazing. Um, I think we I think we can take maybe one more question, which is um, uh, someone's asked, how long have you been collecting the data? Um, so uh, we actually started collecting the data in, um, so for, for China, US uh, and UK from the end of January. Um, and then for the um, for other markets, we started adding them in. So Italy, we started added, adding in in February as, as the situation there worsened. Um, and then for markets um, after that, we've started a lot of them in March. So in the in the dashboard, what you find is that the some of the data goes back like fear all the way back to sort of January, um, while, while other sort of data sources are sort of more recent and based in the last month or so. Yeah, and that's why what really gives us the capability to kind of look at the long term trends across markets and to be able to forecast what we have seen in markets which are ahead of all the other markets in, in the pandemic, how behavior, how consumer behavior has changed or evolved in those markets and then sort of take some learnings from there uh, to, to tell our clients which of the observed trends are short term abruption versus long term category shifts. So for example, if, it, if I talk about China specifically, we've seen that, you know, when this whole pandemic started, people were panic buying a lot of medicines, face masks, antiseptics, etc. in panic and because there wasn't much information around it. But what we are seeing now is that the, the uh, in that surge in OTC items has gone down drastically in China and people are now kind of more gearing towards an overall healthier lifestyle, eating more fresh foods, better diet, regular exercise and sort of, you know, uh, taking taking good care of their mental well-being uh, as, as well as health. Stockpiling therefore certainly is temporary and OTC brands need to find their way to become more permanent in consumers' lifestyle is sort of the big learning from all the trends that we've seen in China.
yeah i mean it's it's uh, really quite interesting that you know something like we we've seen that you know, while vitamins and supplements also sort of made a you know are, are were being consumed in china as well and that's something that uh, is likely to sort of continue as well because um uh, culturally it's not as uh, a sort of uh, sort of popular as as it is in uk and us markets and other european markets but given that this is an ongoing health benefit that they could you know building up their immune system uh, as opposed to sort of trying to take measures to fight it at the you know sort of last minute is definitely a trend so that's why you know a play you know it's a very good place to promote um sort of ongoing benefits of vitamins and supplements how they can fit into your day-to-day -day lifestyles um as well as sort of more natural remedies as well that could um consumers can sort of take with food or you know add to their drinks beverages you know it's like we said I've talked about teas specific ingredients um and that would e you know could quite easily fit into consumers lives uh, on an ongoing basis even after this sort of initial sort of the the panic um and the fear phase when this becomes the more the new normal absolutely prevention is better than cure was never more truer than in the current state we are in yes just seeing if there were any other questions um how how do you how do you collect the data has just come through um and uh, yeah, that's actually a good point uh, for those of you not familiar with our methodology. Um, we, you know, we are um, sort of we are, uh, we collect data through a mobile app. Um, so Streetbees is an app. Um, we have communities all over the world, um, and we um, send, send uh, ask our communities to share with us um, around their experiences, their ha uh, behaviours. And so not only do we sort of ask them more general questions, but a lot of the data we showed you um, from this uh, was in fact from in the moment behavior. So, you know, some of the charts we showed earlier um, around what people are doing were actually from more in the moment behavior as well. So we're, we're trying to also understand, you know, there's a lot of claimed stuff around, but what is the difference between what people are claiming to do versus what people are actually doing? So that's quite important for us too. Um, we collect the data ongoing for, for our COVID-19 hit solution, um, and we put and we sort of update our data in the dashboard weekly. So you can get sort of almost real-time insights as to what's going and track it on a weekly basis. Because at this time there are actually shifts week on week. It, it's not sort of some of these behaviour changes are, are are not happening in the longer term. They're happening week on week. So it's quite interesting to see that and keep um, keep the pulse on the consumers' uh, changing lifestyles, habits, and behaviours. Great. Um, so let me sort of uh, uh, wrap up. Um, so thank you again. Um, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and please do stay at home as well. Thank you very much. Take care, everyone. Bye bye.